0: Hello and welcome to the Agape Leaders Podcast. This week we have a chat with Dr. Greg Mays. As always, I'm so happy and excited to be back here with you this week and I want us to tackle a very important topic. This week we're going to be talking about mental health, but I want to talk about it from a Christian perspective and to help you understand that it is possible for Christians to have some anxiety, but then it's also possible for God to help you through that if you will allow him to. And so I want to unpack a section of the Bible where we see this issue of anxiety and how God deals with it. And so, that is my desire today, is that you would hear this and learn how you can deal with this and trust that God is more than able to bring you through. So, let's get started. I want us to go into the book of 1 Kings. And I'm going to read some and I'm going to tell you what is going on in other parts. But what I want you to do is I want you to go back and read everything that we talk about. I'm going to be reading from 1 Kings chapter 18 and i'm going to go through first kings chapter 19. And so your homework just so that you can go back and fill in the blanks, understand it well for yourself, your homework is read first kings 18 and 19. So the person that we're going to learn about today is the prophet Elijah. Elijah with a J, and then we also talk about Elisha uh, with an S. We won't talk much about it, but we're going to get into it briefly. Elijah is the prophet of the day. And I'm going to just pick up to kind of introduce you where we are. 1 Kings chapter 18, starting at verse 1. It says, after a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. Just a real quick backstory. God had sent a drought. In chapter 17, Elijah goes and tells King Ahab that the Lord the God of Israel whom he served will there, said there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word meaning God's word that is 1st Kings 17 verse 1 so 1st Kings 17 verse 1 God tells King Ahab there's not going to be any rain for the next few years so now That helps when I pick up in verse 18 or chapter 18, verse one, it says, after a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. Verse two says, so Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria and Ahab had summoned Obadiah, his, (coughs) excuse me, his palace administrator. Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. While Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them in two caves, 50 in each, and had supplied them with food and water. So this character Jezebel is important to the story that we're going to unpack in a second. She was the queen. And so I I just wanted to introduce you to kind of the, the major movers in this. Elijah, Ahab, Jezebel, and for a short period, Obadiah. And so what happens is Elijah is challenged or challenges the prophets of Baal. And so let me jump over to to get to that so that you can understand uh, what's going on. To jump to that, I'm going to jump over to verse 16. And again, I want you to read this for yourself. Verse 16 says So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? Ahab was not a huge fan of Elijah. I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of the Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab went, sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. And so what's about to happen is Elijah is about to challenge the prophets of Baal to, I'm going to use the word, a duel. (laughs) If their God is a true God, then he would be able to perform the act that Elijah is calling God Almighty to do. And so what they're supposed to do is, let me read it for you down at verse 25. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one of the bulls and prepare it first. Since there are so many of you, call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. So they prepared it for the offering, the burnt offering, but they were not allowed to light it. You see, their God was supposed to light it. And so at noon, uh, so they start calling, and then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted, but there was no response. No one answered, and they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, this is verse 27, at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he is deep in thought, or busy, or traveling, or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Let's pause right there. That's sad for two reasons. The one hand, their God that they are calling to will never be able to answer. But here's the thing. God Almighty sometimes is quiet. Sometimes we have to wait for his response. And if we don't have a right relationship with him, we will confuse his answer of wait and Baal's inability to answer because Baal is no God. We'll confuse them. And we'll begin to say, God Almighty, Elohim, El Shaddai, is not existing either. So you have to be careful. I just wanted to bring that up because it can be so easy to confuse those two. At verse 30, then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Then he took twelve stones from each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it, large enough to hold two sias of seed. He arranged the wood cut the bull into pieces. And, and real quick, uh, two seahs of seed is probably about 24 pounds or about 11 kilograms. So it was a lot, All right. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large four large jars with water And pour it on the offering and on the wood. So so he gets them to pour four large jars of water on on the offering. Then he says, Do it again. That's verse 34. Then he says, Do it a third time. And the water, verse 35 says, The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. So it's so, it's nothing but water. Watch this. I love this. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, Answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning these hearts back again. Verse 38. Now remember, the prophets of Baal, they were cutting themselves and screaming, and oh, you know, and nothing happened. Now Elijah has poured four jars of water. I got that right? Three three. Times he's poured four jars of water around the offering. So it's soaked, it's drenched, right? And he says in verse 38, or, or in verse thirty, he doesn't say it, this is what happens. In verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. So in the twinkling of an eye, so to speak, God throws down fire and the fire burns up everything in a moment. I don't know if that snap came through on the microphone. I hope it did. I hope it didn't just sound like crazy sound. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered them there. Or Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go, eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel. Remember, there was that Mount Carmel. And so think about what Elijah has just done or God has just done through Elijah. And then eventually as verse 18 starts to end, the rain starts to come. And Elijah uh, ultimately tells uh He says, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. It's going to be a good rain coming. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose and a heavy rain started falling and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. Watch this. I love this. Verse 46. This is going to mess some of y'all up. Verse
1: 46.
0: The power of the Lord. Came on Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. I don't think you appreciate what you just heard. You don't, I I don't know that you appreciate the miracle that God just reminded you of in your hearing. Ahab is riding in a chariot with the best of horses. And the Bible tells us in verse 46, the power of the Lord came on Elijah and he tucked his cloak into his belt and he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Listen to this note on that verse, verse 46. Listen to this note. It says, ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. It says, divinely energized by extraordinary strength, Elijah ran before Ahab's chariot to Jezreel, a distance of about sixteen miles. Hmm. It says this dramatic scene with the Lord's prophet running before the king and the Lord himself racing behind him, riding his mighty thundercloud chariot, served as a powerful appeal to Ahab to break once for all with Baal and henceforth to rule as the servant of the Lord. You see, Ahab was uh, one of the kings of, of, of Israel or Judah. And I, I, I think it's, let me look here. Yeah, Ahab was the king of Israel. And so this story is th- this movement that God does, this powerful thing that God does is to show Ahab, I am God. You can trust me. Quit trying to go all to these false gods. And so let me uh, give you this last part, and then I'm going to get into the meat of what I'm supposed to be talking about. But you need this. You need this background. I pray that you're not sitting there listening and getting bored and, oh, come on, don't do that. You need this background. Otherwise, what I'm going to say to you may not have the same impact. So verse one in chapter 19 says, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say watch this this cracks me up may the gods deal with me be it ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them meaning the 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 prophets that Elijah had killed So, let's get this picture before I read verse 3, because it's important. Elijah just faced 800 men, right? 400 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the Asura. Let's, let's, Let's take a look at that. Yeah, It says, bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of the Asura. So Elijah just faced off with 850 people. He's by himself, but he's got the Lord on his side. And God does a mighty miracle in his presence and in everybody's presence. Then after God shows that the rain is going to come and Elijah lets King Ahab know the rain is coming, Then God performs another miracle in Elijah's sight and in the king's sight. And Elijah is able to run in front of King Ahab's chariots and it's 16 miles. And as a result of everything that happened, Jezebel threatens Elijah by saying, may the gods deal with me be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. And verse 3 in chapter 9 breaks my heart. It says, Elijah was afraid. Elijah was afraid of Jezebel and her threat. Think about everything that God had done in Elijah's presence and in the presence of so many witnesses. God had proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is no one like him. Yet, 1 Kings 19 verse 3 says, Elijah was afraid, watch this and it goes on to say and ran for his life he was afraid and he ran for his life here's what I want to get into today Elijah runs away and ultimately he you know gets to uh, a place in his journey and he he sat down under a broom bush and he prayed that he might die. He said, I have had enough Lord, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. So let's go back just for a quick second and unpack what happened that Elijah wanted to die it couldn't have been what God did at the altar because God honored Elijah in that moment it could not have been when God told Ahab or had sent word to Ahab that he better get he better get moving otherwise he was going to get stuck by the rain And then God empowered him to be able to run even faster than the chariots. That could not have been the reason why he felt like he needed to die. The only reason why Elijah got to the place where he said, take my life is because he allowed himself to be afraid of Jezebel. And he had God on his side. And I love God's response. Here's here's God's response. Because it says, then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank. Then he laid down again. You see, here is Elijah down. He's he's depressed. Now, if we're being honest, I'm not talking about you right now. I'm 100% only talking about Elijah. Don't put yourself in this. If we're being honest, you look at Elijah's situation and you think, I don't understand why he is allowing himself to feel this way. What more does he want God to do? God has shown up in his life in mighty ways. I couldn't outrun horses 16 miles. I couldn't call down fire you know, on my own power, it certainly had to be God. And so just because Jezebel said, you're going to die, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, just because she said that, now all of a sudden, Elijah, he's afraid. And 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 that, that saddens me. And then he ate, drank, and then he laid down again to get some more sleep. Then the Bible goes on to say in verse 7, chapter 19, verse, seven, the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Then the Bible says here, Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Did you catch it? Did you catch it? Let me go back and read verse 2. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. And then we skip all the way over to verse 8. It says, So he, Elijah, got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Did you catch it? Jezebel has zero power over Elijah. God was fully in control. Not only that, we don't even in this moment, we're not even thinking about Jezebel. We've pushed right past her. Why? Because she's nothing when you compare her to God. She's absolutely nothing when you compare her to God. Shucks, I'm nothing when you compare me to God. None of us are anything when we're compared to God. And Elijah at this stage God has been sustaining him. God sustained him for 40 days and 40 nights. There's no way he's not dead. He wasn't dead by that time tomorrow. I put the air quote things up. So at this stage, we expect Elijah to to be motivated because the reason why he was depressed, the reason why he had this anxiety was because Jezebel threatened him. Well, Jezebel's threat, although it may still be open or valid, her threat didn't come to fruition because he wasn't dead by this time the next day. <clears throat> and so uh, Elijah goes into the cave at uh, Mount Horeb and he spends the night. The Bible tells us, and the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 10. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now here's what I love about this, and we're going we're going. We're gonna go outside the mountain and see what the Lord's gonna do. But do you notice that God at this stage, He's not even acknowledging Elijah's angst? Why? Because it isn't valid. Elijah's fear is not a valid fear. And, and my daughter gets on me for, and she tells me, don't invalidate somebody's feelings. And, and I understand what she's saying. And so I'm not trying to go against what she's teaching me in that moment. But what I'm saying right here is in this moment, as we read it, God is not validating Elijah's feelings, because they're incorrect. It's okay for Elijah to feel angst, to be anxious, right? But it's not, I'm just, I'm just. as I look at it, this is the way I see it. It's not okay for him to be anxious for these reasons because God's been taking care of him. And, and then let me show you the proof. You might be out there saying, I need to turn this podcast off. Don't turn the podcast off. Stay right with us. It says, the Lord is about to pass by. You don't want to miss the Lord passing by. So then, this is probably the part that many of you have heard before. It says, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. Get that picture. I mean, it's got to be loud and crazy because it takes a lot for wind to destroy rocks because wind doesn't have any sustenance. It has to be strong to move rocks, to tear mountains. So get that picture of how strong that wind is. It said and it shattered the rocks before the Lord. It says, but the Lord was not in the wind. It said after the wind there was an earthquake. If you ever lived out in California or in Japan, you know they get earthquakes rather frequently. You understand that an earthquake you could feel that. I'm not talking about a tremor. I'm talking about a bona fide earthquake. I've been in a few of them. Uh, you can feel it. And if you're blessed, you're not. Well, I shouldn't say if you're blessed because if you're fortunate you won't have any damage because people can have damage and still be blessed. God may want to bless them through that hardship. Um, And I would be happy to talk to you about that. If you have trouble with me saying that and you don't understand it, I will help you. Uh, But it says, but the Lord was not in the earthquake said after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. So now Elijah is about to go have a meeting with the presence of God. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. Watch his response. I hope I hope you've pulled out your Bible and you're reading this with me. Verse 15. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Let's pause there for a second. I, I, I apologize for pausing it. And if, if, if you don't want to get what I'm about to say, I understand. And you can go ahead and, and turn the podcast off. But I want you to get this. Elijah was afraid. Elijah was running for his life. God says, what are you doing here, Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah says two times. He says the same thing two times. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword, and I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. He said that twice. So we know that <laughs> we know that God heard him. Watch this. God says, "Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel." and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Watch this. God is no joke. He is no joke. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet, oh, watch this. I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Elijah did not know, but he should have. God is more than able to protect you from any harm. God is more than able to guide you through your most anxious moment. Now I am talking to you. Now I am talking to the person who has anxiety. Now, I 100% understand that there are so many disorders and different things. I'm not going to sit here and, and try to argue with you about whatever it is that you're dealing with. That's you. You go do you. But as you look at the situation that Elijah was in, that's the one I'm talking about. Elijah only got this anxiety based on... His circumstances. Jezebel said she was going to kill him and he was afraid. That's what the Bible teaches us. He was afraid. Elijah in that moment forgot what God had done. Watch this. I hope you get it. God did not send Elijah to go do something else. God did not send Elijah to To go, well, since that was too difficult, here, let me send you to this other place. No. What did he say? Go back the way you came. In other words, where I had you is where I wanted you. And so let me talk to you, the listener. I understand that you feel anxious. But that is not of God. God doesn't have you feeling anxious. In fact, when you feel anxious, if you will go to God, he will give you rest. We see that here in this story, what happens? Elijah runs. He he finds him a bush. He lies down under the bush and goes to sleep. What does God do? Sends an angel to feed him. He eats. He lays down and gets some more rest. What does God do? He sends him an angel who feeds him. And then he gets up and he runs for 40 days and 40 nights, or he travels for 40 days and 40 nights. And he ends up at Mount Horeb. And if you go back and look at Moses' encounter, you might recognize the name of that mountain. And God meets him there. You see, God will meet you right where you are. But if where you are is not where God brought you, he's going to send you to where he needs you to go. And it may be back the way you came. And you got to do it. That's, that's what God has called us. If you got to go back, you got to do it. And so we are in this time where we have people have mental health Issues, and you need to take a break. Didn't Elijah get a break? Yes, he did. And God facilitated that break. God fed him. God facilitated the break. So, of course, when you're feeling anxious, of course you rest. But you don't hold on to your anxiety like a security blanket. You deal with it, you take it to God, you lay out before God what your anxiousness is, what your issue is, and then you listen to him and you respond to him. This is what Elijah did. He wanted to die because he thought he was alone. He wanted to die because this woman had said, I'm going to kill you. And so he didn't want that. But that is not what God had for him. And for those of you who ha- have read the story, you know exactly what happens What happens to Elijah. And I would encourage all of you, if you've never read the story of Elijah, this, this part, I would encourage you to, you know, you could just start at chapter 17, which is kind of where we, that'll give you some better background. Chapter 17, 18, 18. 19 Let me see here. Trying to see where Elijah Yeah, so so Elijah and Elisha travel together. So yeah, just just start reading through through the rest of 1 Kings and you'll get to the part. I know exactly how Elijah, you know, has his, his quote-unquote end, but for whatever reason, I uh, can't find it right there. Uh, but it's but it's definitely there. So that is important for you to look at his life as you look at yourself, the anxiety that you have. I am not sitting on this podcast telling you that your anxiety is not real. Elijah's anxiety was real. But What I am sitting on this podcast telling you is give God a chance. And when I say give God a chance, you have got to go before him just like Elijah did. And when God tells you, this is what I want you to do, you got to go do it. Elijah had to go back the way he came. He didn't get to go somewhere new. He had to go back. way he came and god may send you back the way you came but you got to trust him you got to allow him to do for you what you cannot do for yourself i understand that it's a struggle i'm not telling you it's not a struggle those words have not come out of my mouth the words that have come out of my mouth is you have got to give god a chance if you say that you're a christian then you have to give God a chance. And just like Elijah, just like he met Elijah, he will meet you. But you have to give him a chance and you can't continue to hold on to your anxiety like a security blanket. You have to be willing to release it. And if God sends you there to go back the way you came so that you can do the work that God has called you to do. let me pray for us and then i will get us out of here father in the name of jesus thank you for allowing us to hear this part of the story of elijah we know it's a lot and i pray for all the listeners this can be tough because mental health is the type of expression that we stay away from somebody says mental health and we just come around, we support them. And that's what I'm doing here. But to say, give it to the Lord may be difficult for some people to hear. So father, I pray that you would give them peace and you will begin to open your word to them and you will begin to speak to them. Just like you spoke to Elijah. Your word tells us that you are not a respecter of man so that if you spoke to Elijah in this way, that you will speak to each person who earnestly sees you. And so we thank you, Lord, in advance for that. Lord, I lift up all the listeners who are struggling with other areas, not anxiety. And I pray, Lord, for your wisdom. I pray for your peace that you would guard their heart and their mind and allow them to navigate this time with you. As always, Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. And before I say my final uh, uh, comment, I want to remind you that we are going through the book of Proverbs. Today we did Proverbs 16, and I would encourage you to, to join in. I am posting my daily devotion or my daily thoughts on Proverbs. I post it on TikTok. And then I share that same post across Facebook, my Greg Mace Instagram account, and my Agape Leaders 10 Instagram account. And so I encourage you to join in with that to get the wisdom in the proverbs. Well, that's all we have for this week's Agape Leaders Podcast. Until next time, You have a blessed week.